Smash. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are tuning in to the Dane and Nick show. This week, we're going to be previewing the Arizona Wildcats upcoming football season. We're going to kick you with a little bit of music to get your brain working. And without further ado, we're going to get to our show. So thank you for tuning in as always. And you already know, Gronk Smash. <laughs> Seriously, thank you to all our loyal fans out there. The Dane and Nick Show is a Sports Pac-12 original, but due to your consistent viewership or listenership, however you say it, we've consistently been a top story on the Seattle PI blogs for the past two months. We've also been cross-promoted on a number of different websites. So seriously, thank you to all our fans out there. means a lot. We couldn't do it without you. But again, remember, this is a Sports Pac-12 original, so don't freaking forget it. And as always, this is the Dane and Nick Show, and we're in the final episode of a 12-part series with our Spring Pac-12 football previews. I feel like I said Dane and Nick Show eight times at the top, Spring football previews maybe ten times, so let's just get to the show. If you didn't get my Gronk Smash reference at the top, he obviously went to the University of Arizona, which is why the reference came in. And I just want to make some cool techno-sounding music, to to be quite frank. So if you're new to the show... Essentially, the gist of it is I'm going to break down the Wildcats roster. Dane, my partner in crime here, is going to break down the Arizona Wildcats schedule. And this week, it's going to be pretty much the same, really the same concept in general. But Dane will do a little bit of roster insight, and I'll take a deeper dive into the entirety of the Arizona's football program. So it really is the same as always with a little twin, just a little bit of difference. And as always, man, I was looking down at the Tucson weather, bro. It's the same, bro. Uh, Dane. Dude, it's 100 degrees all week in Tucson. I just, y- y- what the flavor, man? Y'all just, that's wild to me. Up in Seattle, that's just so not what we're used to. But I'm not trying to make fun of you because up in Seattle, it's been rainy freaking all week with the exception of this moment. And we're in the middle of June, so... Yeah, that's that's gonna be our my weather forecast for the day. But I'm gonna kick it down south to Dane. He's gonna get you started talking about some football here. Always good to hear from you, bud. And thank you, Dane. Thank you to our publisher. Thank you to everyone at Sports Pack 12. And thank you to all of our fans. All of our fans. So let's not get all soppy, man. Man, you don't know who you're talking to. All right, Dane. I'm gonna kick it down south. Let's get started. All right, Nick. Checking in from Tucson. It actually rained here on Friday. And believe it or not, it caused a fire because the lightning that came along with it, it was just a brief downpour and there was really more lightning than there was rain. And it has started a fire that is uncontrolled. It's not threatening any property. Uh, and it's just um, one of those things that, you know, we got some rain, but it also caused a fire. So, yeah, but turning to the Wildcats in 2020, Khalil Tate era is over and the Grand Canal era is beginning. Canal certainly is more uh, conducive to Noel Mazzoni's system. And he's the ideal quarterback for what Mazzoni wants to run. So I, if I had to guess, he's going to be more successful this season than Khalil Tate was in his two years under Mazzoni's system. So, um, but looking at the recruiting class, 12th in the Pac-12, 61st nationally. So, you know, that's the bottom of the conference and essentially the bottom of the Power Five. Not a good look, but there are some players who I think that, you know, can contribute in their freshman year. First one is Frank Brown. He's a running back out of Texas, I think. Gets a decent amount of playing time, even though the Cats have uh, some good running back depth. 
I think Brown has the best season of any freshman on the roster that's incoming. Uh, Jalen John is also a running back out of Oregon who will make a contribution. It's unclear how how many snaps he'll get and in what role they'll use him. But um, based off what Michael Wiley was used last season uh, as a freshman, I think Jalen John will see, be something uh, similar to that role. He'll get a, a few looks at the beginning of the season, and depending on how well he performs, he'll either increase his you know, playing time or decrease it. Uh, Noel Mazzoni likes to use his running backs as receivers out of the backfield, so I think Jalen John's um, real uh, you know, ability to get himself more playing time will be running those routes properly, making the catches, making people miss in the open field. Frank Brown himself, um, I think he's going to get um, much more of a standard running back look where he'll get uh, you know, calls to run the ball uh, more often than he'll be used in the passing game um, compared to John. And then on defense, our Regan Terry's at in-state um, defensive end who chose to come to Arizona. I think he's going to make an impact his freshman year. Also, Kerry Crump is a cornerback out of California who I think will make an impact. But, um, yeah, other than that, there's a few other guys, but uh, I'm going to hold my, um, you know, hold the reins back until I see some reports coming out of training camp um, before I, I want to mention them. But um, on the offense side of the ball for the returning players, the biggest um, strength that the Wildcats have is at the running back position. Uh, Nathan Tilford is the running back who I think has the most potential to have a breakout season. Obviously, Gary Brightwell uh, is right there with him. But because of um, Nathan Tilford's ability to, I, I would argue, take more hits than Brightwell does, and because Brightwell is more of an explosive kind of juker, um, spin moves type of guy that if he gets his leg rolled or somebody lands on his knee or anything like that, it hampers his ability to be effective. And Nathan Tilford is more of a kind of run right at you and run you over type of running back. He's just more durable, and I think he's going to have a better season. Nathan Tilford is this year than Gary Brightwell, but Brightwell and Tilford are the, probably the one and two options uh, at this point of the year. And, of course, Michael Wiley returns. He had a decent freshman season. Um, and there's also Darius Smith, who is, um, you know, a, a smaller back but can – not only catch it out of the backfield, but um, has some explosiveness of, as well. So the running back position, the Cats are set. There's You can make an argument there's almost too many good running backs, and it'll be really up to the coaching staff to um, you know break up their playing time appropriately. Um, and not, as I mentioned earlier, the Grant Gannell situation from last season, that's not going to be at all what it's like this year. He's going to have full control, full reins. He's not going to get pulled out of games. There's no real competition behind him at quarterback. So he's going to have, you know, the team in his his palm, and it's really going to be up to him how successful the Wildcats are this season. He only threw one interception last year to nine touchdowns, I believe, and that one interception was a tip ball in the USC game that you can't really um, blame him for. So he was able to run the offense effectively, even with the questionable offensive line. He's mobile enough to get out of certain situations and run the ball a little bit. He's accurate with his passes, and he's tall. He's like 6'6", so you can see over a lot of the linemen. Doesn't have any issues in that regard, and is afraid, not afraid, I mean, to stay in the pocket, take a hit to make a pass. So really, it'll come down to the offensive line's ability to protect him. Uh, and passing plays, 
and really the, the running backs and how they're able to open up that passing game by effectively running the ball, not in these like run pass option or, you know, um, catching out of the backfield, but in true running plays where you expect Arizona to run the ball and the cats are able to get that three or four yards to get that first down. If the running game is successful in that aspect, the cats are going to have a better season than they did last year, which is not very hard considering they only got four wins on the defensive side of the ball. Um, it is what it is. The cats haven't had a good defense since 2014 when they won the South. Uh, it's pretty much been a downhill slide since then. Nothing has really changed. New defensive coordinator. So they're going to be running a 3-4, which should play to the strength of the linebackers. In particular, Tony Fields the second, Kyle Wilborn, Anthony Pandy, and of course, Colin Schooler. But uh, yeah, you know, I'll throw it back up to Nick out there in Seattle. At the end of this episode, I'll break down the Wildcats um, schedule and give a prediction about what I think their record is going to be and a little bit of, of takeaways um, as we move towards the beginning of the season here, um, just, you know, two, two months away, basically, which is great. Always glad that college football is just over the horizon. It's a brand new year. So um, without further ado, throw it up to Nick for more of a roster breakdown. And I'll see you guys at the end. Do you have any idea how like <laughs> how actually funny that is that it rained and now you're on fire, man? The, our climates are just so different. But my college was in a place where a lot of people would probably consider the middle of nowhere. So I know what wildfire season's all about. I I don't mean to make fun of you too much. <laughs> That's just so fun, dude. When I heard that, I started cracking. It was so freaking hard. So I've been talking about the weather an awful lot here. Let's get to actual football. That's what I prefer talking about anyways. So as Dane mentioned, Arizona does have a lot of potential at the quarterback position. I think that Grant Cannell should be a very solid option. I'm really more kind of concerned about their offensive line, and I'll dive into that. So I'm just going to quickly recap what Dane kind of reiterated on, and then I'll give you some new roster insights. One thing that Dane, I feel like, come on, bud, you might have left out, is that the loss of J.J. Taylor may overcome. He was a really solid workout workhorse for Arizona the last three years and just a really, really critical piece of the offense. Even on a struggling team, he was solid. He was something that the opposing defensive coordinators had to worry about. So losing J.J. Taylor at the halfback position will not be easy. And as I just said, man, I'm just so concerned with them at the offensive line. Dane's already broken down the quarterback. He's talked about the running back. But their offensive line to me is that is going to be the critical point determining the Wildcats season. I don't think their defense is good enough yet. I don't think their offense is bad, though. Like, I just don't think they're terrible, but it all comes down to the offensive line. If they can run the ball consistently, this team could be kind of solid. As Dane mentioned, they do have a couple solid halfbacks returning. Again, I don't think they're quite J.J. Taylor. At least they don't have the repetitions as of yet, but they did have some touches last year, so they could really, really create some instant impact, but that's, again, all reliant on the offensive line. No holes. No running room. This isn't Reggie Bush out here cutting you up. You still need some sort of offense line to block. So the offense to me, very, very, very critical component is going to be the offense line. If you're looking at the rest of their offense, you're looking at wide out. They return their statistical leaders in Jamari Joyner, Stanley Berryhill, the third, Brian Castile, and Tavion Cunningham. 
They also have a transfer from Oregon and Brendan Schooler. He's a graduate transfer. And so Schooler caught three touchdowns last year in 2017 for the Ducks. So they do have a lot of returning pieces at wideout, which could be very, very solid for a quarterback who only threw one interception last year. Grant Cannell, you know, he was in a very weird situation last year. It was kind of Cleo Tate's team. It was kind of his. Cleo Tate was obviously struggling. I mean, they ended the year on a seven-game losing streak. So when you're just in that, not dual-threat quarterback, but two-quarterback-type system where you never know if you're going to be taken out, that's got to play on you mentally. This isn't a national championship-caliber team where this formula is working. So it really just kind of creates instability at the quarterback position. And I'm thinking this year, Grant Gunnell has to be the guy. And if you're looking at it from Kevin Kevin Sumlin and the rest of his coaching staff standpoint, this is a guy you recruited, or at least a guy who's been in your system for a couple of years. So you have all the pieces now. Let's see if you can put it together at the quarterback position. I think the Gunnell, again, could be very solid. As I just mentioned, they have some good wideouts, some good solid returning halfbacks. But to me, the offensive line is pivotal. How good will the offensive line be? Damn, I, I just talked for three minutes. I didn't mean to say damn there, but whatever. You know what? That's not a real swear word. We're going to let that one slide. So, <laughs> so um, three points from the offensive line. I don't like to overload y'all with information. Let's just keep it simple. Something that I can follow. Something you can follow. We're all the same. So three things here. First and foremost, how will their offensive line hold up? To me, that's it. That's everything. The no offense line, Arizona's doomed for another terrible season overall. Just probably like three win type of season is the way I'm looking at it. However, if they have a good offensive line, it could be a lot better than that. And Dane will touch more into that in his schedule breakdown. Again, so number one, how's the offensive line going to look? And number two, the wideouts could be very solid this year. So second off, you got Jamari Joyner returning, Stanley Berryhill coming back, Brian Castile and Tavion Cunningham. Also, Brendan Schooler as an Oregon transfer. So you do have a lot of options, really, on offense. I mean, it could be very cool. And third, even though Dane said it, this is, you know, football. So we're going to talk about the quarterback. And I think that Grant Gunnell could really be a solid guy. But what does that all depend on? If they can keep him upright. So again, the offensive line. You're going to take away one thing from their offensive side of the ball. You better block. If not, going to be a long, long, long season down in Tucson. On the defensive side of the ball, we're going to start with the defensive coordinator position, actually. So Marcel Yates got fired. Last year, the Cats finished 11th in the Pac-12 against the Rush and dead last in scoring defense. Need to say, that's really bad. <laughs> Man, that's that's just tough. Paul Rhodes is the new defensive coordinator. And so I think he might actually be a pretty good guy for the job. I mean, he does, <laughs> doesn't have a lot to improve on with Marcel Yates really kind of laying a brick last year. Paul Rhodes will probably be implementing a 3-4 system, which will be new. And what that really means, if you're talking about the general scope of the Wildcats defense, you can kind of expect the kind of five defensive back sets to be done with. I never thought that was conducive to winning in the Pac-12, especially since it's not like these defensive backs were elite anyways. I mean, if you have five standout DBs, then you might be all right, but they never had that. So expect more of an NFL-style system with a 3-4, and I think it could work out well for the Wildcats. I really do. But he is not the only new piece on in terms of defensive coordinator coaches and the whole freaking unit. So again, Paul Rhodes, the new defensive coordinator. They have a new defensive line coach, a new outside linebackers coach, a new running backs coach, and maybe a new defensive backs coach. So that's just so much to overcome. I mean, you're looking at a very 
bad defense last year. I was trying to be nice. I was going to say tough year. No, just a bad defense when you're dead last in scoring. I mean, that that's how I view it. You can talk about the yards. You can talk about turnover ratio. I know football junkies all want to get excited about. What was the turnovers? Bottom line, how many points are you allowing a game? That's how you win football. That's how you win a lot of sports. You score more than the other team. And when you're allowing a lot of points per game, you ain't coming back from that, especially with the inconsistent offense, at least as of last year. So one thing that I do want to touch on here, which I think really could be good for Arizona, is as Dane mentioned, they have the very prominent linebacker trio in Colin Schooler, Anthony Pandy, and Tony Fields second. But I do want to talk about their defensive linemen. There's no notable names really. But defensive linemen make up 20% of Arizona's 80 scholarship players. I'm not doing the math on that. This is why I was a column major, a sports broadcast journalism major. Actually, just broadcast journalism, not going to lie to y'all. I was doing the news. But anyway, defensive linemen make up 20% of Arizona's 80 scholarship players. So you're thinking that they really should have something on the offensive line with all those players. You'd expect one or two guys to merge, and you complement this with the already known, very solid linebacker trio. You should have a good front seven. And I think if that can be a staple for the Wildcats, it could be a savior, even if the offensive line is terrible. That may give them a fourth one. <laughs> As you can see, I'm not projecting them to be too high this year on the standings, that is. So, again, they should have some solid defensive linemen with the stat of 20% of Arizona's 80 scholarship playing from the D-line. And the front seven should be good. Secondary, not really enough to go off of right now. I'm not going to say and lie and act like I'm going to give you some wild, crazy analysis about players who really haven't made a name for themselves yet. So I'll leave it at that. And as always, let me break it down with three points on the defense. One, new defensive coordinator and Paul Rhodes could be the guy implementing a 3-4 system, which is probably more conducive to winning, at least in my opinion. You're looking at, again, Dane said it, but the linebacker trio of Colin Schooler, Anthony Pandy, and Tony Fields II. This unit will not only need to revitalize and really bring a lot of energy to the defense, they need to get some something out of the offense. Just yell at them if they're being bad. I mean, these three are really probably the most prominent players in the program right now, and they need to make something happen, plain and simple. Th this is the unit that if the Wildcats do find success, it'll be, be behind these guys and the offensive line, of course. Of course, the O-line, baby, got to block, got to keep getting all upright. So one and two, new DC and Paul Rhodes, second, Got the linebacker trio on Colin Schooler and Anthony Pandy and Tony Fields. And third, again, their front seven should be good. Defense alignment make up 20% of Arizona's 80 scholarship players. And so that's going to be my roster breakdown. But as promised at the top, I'm at the top, I'm going to say really quickly here, we're looking at the state of the program under Kevin Sumlin. This is a do or die year for him. If he gets off to a slow start, I would honestly fire him immediately. If he's like one and three, kick his butt out of town. He's not doing a good job as head coach. And the reason why I say that, their recruiting is absolute trash. Worst incoming recruiting class in the Pac-12 and 60, 61st nationally. Someone is knocking at my door. Right All right. Thank you guys for putting up with that unexpected interruption. Do you seriously have any idea how frustrating that is? You're almost done with a 12-part series. You are in the last minute of your freaking segment and then someone knocks on the door. So I like that last segment in the first nine minutes so much. I'm not redoing it. And if you got a problem with that, then get the heck out of our show, baby. That's what I'm saying. Leave, man. We don't need you anyway. We don't need you. So without that randomness, let's get right back to where we left off. So I was looking at the state of the program and the recruiting is absolutely trash. Again, the worst incoming recruiting class in the Pac-12 this year. The year before that, they had the 11th ranked class in the Pac-12 and the year before that, 11th as well. 
So you're consistently recruiting at the bottom of the conference. That's absolutely terrible. You're looking at another element here. They had no players selected to the NFL draft, which means they're not really coaching up their talent to the best of their ability. There's seven rounds in this thing. There's seven freaking rounds. You couldn't get one player there. It's not like UA is a mid-major. This is a Pac-12 school. You couldn't get one player to the NFL draft. That, to me, is very concerning on top of the recruiting. But most notably, and I am a basketball coach. You probably heard me say that like 42 times. But beyond that, even before I coached basketball, I always judge a team by how they compete. Are the games close? You can have a losing record. You can be 1-11, you know, 0-12 even. But are you competing in every game? Because if you're competing, you know what? That's good enough for me if your talent level is low. But you're looking at the Wildcats, and they're not. Again, they they ended last season on a seven-game losing streak where they lost every single one of those games by at least 10 points. And four of those losses were blowouts. So that's just really terrible. I mean, there's no excuses. You can talk about what Kevin Sumlin did at Texas Tech or Texas A&M, where the frick he was. He wasn't in the Pac-12. And he was very successful, 51-26 and 26 with the Aggies. So very, very impressive. Even a 3-2 and two mark in bowl games. At UA, this is not carried over. And there's no excuses. You can cut excuses like, oh, he's only been there two years. Okay, well... Previous in the previous tenure, they'd won five out of six. Or excuse me, how am I trying to phrase this? In the pre under Rich Rod, who was the previous head coach, they had five out of their six seasons were winning seasons. So I just don't understand why there's excuses for him. He's not getting the job done at all. He's really not. Not one freaking excuse. And I still don't think I said that right. How do you say that? In six years, they won five times. You get what I'm saying. So, anyways. I do want to leave on kind of one high note for the program. Nearly every scholarship freshman saw action in at least two games last year with seven of those guys playing in eight or more contests. So they should have a lot of experience with the Young Bucks and this may bode in their favor. So with that, that's my Arizona preview. Again, looking at the state of their program, recruiting is trash, consistently worse than the Pac-12. No player selected to the NFL draft and they're getting blown out, including, oh man, just... (laughs) Four blowout losses last year and lost every single game on that seven-game losing streak by 10 points or more. That's just terrible. Just really not getting the job done. So that's where UA currently stands. As always, thank you for tuning in. That's it for me in our 12-part spring preview edition. I'm going to kick it down to Dane in Tucson. He's going to take you out. Let's let's watch out for some wildfires, what's happening during rain season. (laughs) Whoever, (laughs) who knows what happens down in Arizona. But seriously, thank y'all for listening. Have a great day. And deuces, toodles, Cheetos, and marbles. All right, thanks, Nick. Looking at the Wildcats schedule, it's, uh, you know, a year that's probably going to end up in about five wins. Um, Potential to get up to seven in all likelihood, ends up right around five. And I think heading into the game against Arizona State, uh, at the end of the year, the Cats are going to be fighting for bowl eligibility, and a win in that game would make them bowl eligible. A loss would once again uh, prevent them from heading to a bowl game. Uh, week one is the opening, uh, you know, week zero matchup, actually, against Hawaii and Tucson. This is a game that has uh, a bunch of revenge um, you know, factor, X factor for the Cats who lost last season by seven. In Hawaii, Kalotain had a chance to uh, tie the game up with, you know, two seconds left on the clock, fell about a yard short, and the Cats lost. Um, so 
because the game's in Tucson and the fact that Rolovich is no longer the coach there at Hawaii and they lost their senior quarterback, McDonald, I'm going to give the edge here to, to the Wildcats. And I think they start the season off 1-0 and in a very contested, tough battle. Week 2 is a game against uh, Division Two school Portland State. This is, uh, in all likelihood, an easy win for Arizona, and I'm not going to go any further into it. Um, uh, week three is in a conference matchup uh, against Stanford. So this is a really important game for both programs. It's going to, uh, I think the winner of it will make a bowl game and the loser will not. Because the game is in Tucson, I think the Cats have um, a great chance to win. I don't think Stanford's roster is that much, you know, stronger than Arizona's. And the fact that it's a road game in Tucson um, just leads me to believe that Arizona will win this one, though it could be close, and I wouldn't be surprised if Stanford won. Um, so the following week after that is a game against Texas Tech and Lubbock. Cats are going to go on the road for the first time for this game. It's going to be a hostile environment, if I had to guess. Texas will be allowing fans to attend college football games, so it's going to be a packed stadium. And the Red Raiders are going to be, you know, really focused on beating Arizona, considering what happened last year in Tucson. And they don't like the fact that they lost to a Pac-12 school. They're going to want to defend their home turf. I think Arizona loses this one in a close battle. And, um, yeah, I think that's probably um, all that needs to be said about that one. And then Arizona faces UCLA uh, on the road in Los Angeles. This is a game that Arizona probably loses, though they have a chance to win just because um, it's in L.A. I'm going to give the edge to the Bruins. And then the following week, Cats host Colorado. This is definitely a game I think um, Arizona not only should win, but will win. Um, Arizona has mostly had the bus number in the Pac-12 era. I think Colorado has only beaten Arizona one time at football uh, since the conference expanded in 2011. And, you know, Khalil Tate did terrible things to that defense over his three three seasons at Arizona. And he's gone, but, you know, Grant Gannell is going to pretty much pick off where where Khalil Tate left off um, when it comes to the Colorado Buffaloes defense. And so I think Arizona is going to win that one. And then the week after that, the Cats host the Trojans. USC is probably going to win. Historically, Arizona has, at least over the last 10 years or so, played USC um, close on most occasions, though has never really been able to consistently uh, get victories. Uh, and really in the history of the series, Arizona has, I think, eight or nine wins um, against USC, and USC has like 30 or 35. And that's not really going to change this season. I think USC wins. Uh, in the following week, Arizona heads to Washington to play the Dogs in Seattle. This is a game that could be a little bit closer than expected, but Grant Gannell going up against that vaunted secondary uh, in Seattle is not going to work out very well. As a result, the Cats are going to be forced to run the ball pretty heavily, and that's going to determine the game is whether or not Arizona's running backs are able to effectively run the ball. Nathan Tilford, um, you know, Gary Brightwell have a, a big game. Then, you know, the Cats could pull off the upset, but in all likelihood, the Dogs win that one in Seattle. Following week is a matchup with Oregon in Tucson on Halloween. And normally this would be a game that you would say Oregon would win um, going away. 
but Arizona tends to play the Ducks well in Tucson and have even, you know, blown out the Ducks a few times when they've been ranked coming into Tucson. I think a lot of that has to do with confidence of both programs, Oregon being overconfident, Arizona um, believing in themselves. And it really will come down to the first quarter. If Arizona can stick with the Ducks, they have a much better chance of pulling off a miraculous upset. In all likelihood, though, Oregon wins by 21 or more. The following week, Arizona faces Utah and Salt Lake City. Again, this is a game that Arizona could win, but probably will not. Um, It's a tough matchup out there in Salt Lake City, even with a bit of a rebuild there for the Ute program. Defense is still going to be pretty much on the level that it was last season, so it's going to be hard for Arizona to move the ball, score, and just the altitude and the road uh, environment there does not benefit the Wildcats at all. Utah probably wins by at least 17, I would say probably than 21. Uh, really, that has a lot. A lot of this has to do with Arizona's defense not really being able to make the major this season. That being, I think the offense plays better than they have been over the last few years, and um, but still, it's not going to be good enough to beat Utah on the road. And then, so that's potentially four games where you have a four-game losing streak. So a loss to USC, Washington, Oregon, and Utah. So um, it's a really a backloaded schedule. It's going to be tough for Arizona in the month of October to get, you know, many wins, especially in the latter half of the month. And then the Cats do face a road contest in Corvallis against the Beavers. I think Arizona can win this one without knowing how well Oregon State is playing at that point of the year, how well uh, Tristan Gabia um, adapts to his starting role there, or if it ends up being Chance Nolan as the quarterback there at OSU. It's really hard to to predict this one. I think Arizona could win and, you know, maybe should win. Um, But for now, because the game's out there in Corvallis and you don't really know what you're getting out of um, the Beavers, I would go ahead and give the benefit of the doubt to the home team and say Oregon State wins that one. And then the final game, so that's potentially a five-game losing streak if you're paying attention closely. And then, you know, to finish the year is the – Territorial Cup in Tucson. Arizona could win this one. Arizona could also um, definitely lose this one. It's one of those, I I don't want to say a 50-50 toss-up because I think the Sun Devils are going to win, but because it's in Tucson, it really adds an extra um, X factor to an Arizona upset. And without knowing what these programs are going to be fighting for, it really is hard to predict that far in advance. Um, but if we're picking right now, I'd give the edge to the Sun Devils. So that is a predictable six-game losing streak to end the year. And depending on how Arizona does against Hawaii and Stanford and Texas Tech, there is the potential to make a bowl game. Um, like I said at the beginning, if everything went right and Arizona beat Oregon State, UCLA, um, Colorado, Hawaii, Portland State, Stanford, uh, and either Texas Tech or Arizona State. You know, that's seven wins. And if you're feeling the, incredibly the most optimistic eight, the reality is it's probably going to be somewhere in between three and five. Um, Stanford, you know, may be able to get the, uh, the victory in Tucson. Texas Tech game is going to be tough. The Arizona State game is going to be tough. Road matchup against Oregon State is no given. 
Um, really an opportunity is uh, against UCLA and Los Angeles, but even the home game against Colorado is no cakewalk, and neither is the game against Hawaii. So it's really, it's anywhere from three to five wins and all likelihood falling somewhere in between there. I'm a little bit more on the optimistic side. I'll say five and uh, with a loss to Arizona State in the Territorial Cup, that'll prevent the Cats from making a bowl game. Though I think Grant Canal has a much improved season and really the 2021 year sets up Arizona um, for a, a good bowl run. Um, but that's a little bit looking too far ahead for this season. I think five wins is probably an appropriate prediction. But that was the end of our um, Pac-12 previews for, I guess, spring ball. Now it's summertime, and um, the season is just right around the corner. So get ready. We are about two uh, two months away, two and a half, I suppose, until week zero. And just keep chugging along, and next thing you know, there's going to be college football back on TV, which is what we all want. So until then, everybody stay safe.